1: Hello there and welcome to So I Got To Thinking, the weekly podcast where we examine the soul-searching questions of fictional journalist Carrie Bradshaw from the series Sex and the City and ask if they can still be applied to modern life and love. You are joined by Episcopalian princess Juno Dawson and God's chosen person Dylan B. Jones. Hi Dylan. (laughs) Hi Juno. How are you?
0: I'm good. Today's a good day. The weather's been beautiful here in London. It's
1: week five in the isolation house in look in lockdown. <laughs> in lockdown, um, yeah. How how is how is the Big Brother house in Finsbury Park?
0: It's fine. The key that I have found um, is to not look at the news. <laughs> Possibly um,
1: not, although I suspect this one might become slightly more political than your average. So I got to thinking for reasons which will become clear imminently. Which episode are we watching this week, Dylan?
0: We're watching episode, is it eight? I believe yeah. so. Episode eight, The Man, The Myth, of The Viagra
1: and it's a good one unless of course you are charlotte
0: (laughs) yeah we literally see her once (laughs)
1: she gets two scenes
0: oh yeah at the end as well yeah there is Um, zero
1: subplot for charlotte so charlotte's having a week off so we'll just bench her for a week Kristen davis was maybe on holiday that week organizing her scrunchie collection she she was gone so um the big plot this week is... Let's do it. Should we do with Carrie first? Yeah. So Carrie is having a lovely time with Big. They go to an Italian restaurant. They sing crooner ballads. <laughs> and Carrie is shooketh by how her relationship seems very different this time round. He's not withholding. He even refers to her as his girlfriend.
0: Yeah. And I really liked that scene when I think it was a necessary scene when they went to the Italian restaurant, because we get a bit of a glimpse into his life and it gives his character a bit more dimension because, and that's quite rare. We don't get that very much with him. Um, But I think it is necessary to have it every so often because otherwise viewers are kind of, and always kind of has been the case with Mr. Big. There's a little bit of like, who is like... Who is he? Like, Hmm. where did he come from? We don't even learn his name until the final episode.
1: He is a sexy enigma. And I like like the little hints at what he does when he's not with Carrie. Like, we don't really know what his job is.
0: No, yeah. Um, You assume it's like a high-powered kind of city job, don't you?
1: Yeah, like banking or like hedge funds. You know, I'm 38 years old, Dylan. I do not know what a hedge fund is.
0: I don't know what a hedge fund is. Is it to do with gardening?
1: (laughs) I often do imagine a privet hedge. I (laughs) I think it's something to do with money. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Which is, given that we are two people who have very little money, I think that's why we don't understand hedge funds. (laughs) Because we don't need to.
0: (laughs) You can can really see in that scene why she is in love with him as well.
1: I felt it. I felt it in my womb when he says this is my girlfriend Carrie because I went out with such terrible men in my 20s who would never have referred to me as their girlfriend yeah. when, when Big throws her that bone I really felt it yeah same
0: I'm just singing when I was 17. 17
1: anyways I think that like you're right I think that is a really important scene in that actually we need to see that things are different this time around And but then it leads us to this week's sort of question, which is a frustrating one, because actually the, the theme this week is about mythology and the sort of the stories that single people and particularly women sort of tell themselves in order to survive an incredibly hostile dating environment. And, you know, Charlotte speaks of, you know, it's my friend, Amanda's friend, you know, went out with this married guy and he left his wife and now they are happily married in Connecticut. And when Miranda and Samantha said, that's bullshit, name one person whose relationship magically changed overnight, they hold up Carrie as as a myth, which is the woman who conquered the man who could not commit.
0: Yeah, and she says that it, she can't describe it. It's just a feeling at which Samantha and Miranda roll their eyes. But I kind of get it. Like, sometimes you can't describe it. Sometimes it is just different and you can't explain why. Um, maybe they've both grown a little bit since they last saw each other. I mean, I think that this round of Carrie and Big does all end in tears, doesn't it? <sighs> Um, In
1: in about four weeks' time. Yeah. Less, Um, potentially, actually.
0: Yeah. But um, one thing's for sure, Miranda has had it in this episode. Like, well, (laughs) this
1: is Miranda's episode, I think. I was going to say, I think we have some stuff with Carrie and Big, but really, and I suspect the reason... Charlotte is benched was to give Miranda a chance to really become, to really become the second main character. You've got Carrie, then Miranda, and then Samantha and Charlotte sort of bringing up the cast.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that as well, because particularly Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon's scenes together are like... It feels like it's the two main characters, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I think
1: that's happened quite organically as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was necessarily true of season one, but by midway through season two, I think it's safe to say that Miranda is our second lead and she starts off in one of the most cringe-inducing scenes. The comedy oh my club god. scene oh is my god. painful.
0: Um, yeah, I've... Um... I don't think I've ever had fun at a stand-up comedy show. I've been to a few and I've never had fun.
1: I once (laughs) went to an amateur stand-up comedy night with my good friend Stuart Warwick. You should listen to his music on Spotify. He's very talented. And we went to some stand-up and it was so awkward. I honestly felt my spine was going to snap. (laughs) It was, my body was rejecting uh, yeah. I mean,
0: although, like, if there are any stand-up comics listening, fucking all power to you because...
1: of off, yeah. Of
0: any, of any kind of performance platform, it's got to be that that takes the most guts. I mean, bloody mm-hmm. hell. Um, I just...
1: Because... They have to laugh. There is a very definite way to measure success when you're a stand-up comic. Oh, yeah. And it is auditory. I mean, obviously, I mean, a cabaret troupe called Club Silencio, but what we do is scripted. Um, some, Some jokes don't land. It's always part of a bigger... Thing. Yeah. And, it's... and you've also,
0: I think, got like a kind of dedicated crowd of people, haven't you? Oh, of course. yeah. Um, we've
1: been going five years, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's not a, um, it's not like a bunch of strangers. Actually, I lie when I say I've never been to a good stand up. Margaret Cho at Leicester Square Theatre was incredible.
1: I think there's ones who become noted and yeah. have name recognition. There's a reason they have name recognition. And that's because they've got the gift. But that said, I mean, I remember go- once going to... I don't know what they call them. Like you know, where they trial new material? I oh yeah. It was at Sirha Theatre, really, really late at night. It started about eleven at night, and it was Eddie Izzard um, road testing material for an upcoming tour. And it mm. was about forty percent good, sixty percent. Mm, I think some of that material probably didn't oh, wow. make probably didn't make it to the road.
0: Interesting. Mm. Um. But yeah. But in this scene, yeah, Miranda's on. Probably like the worst day anyone could ever have. Um,
1: I mean, with... God, her look—she just has the worst look.
0: And when um, when she's like fleeing at the end, mm. when the when the comedian's like, "Oh fuck you," yeah, and she just like looks at him like, "Ugh."
1: He is loathsome. <laughs> he makes me want to burn my genitals (laughs) with boiling oil so that I can never have sex with anybody ever again. That's how repulsive he is.
0: Um, But then, yeah, she understandably draws the conclusion from that because in that scene, she finds out her date is...
3: Is married. married,
0: And then she just basically shuts down and doubles down and is like, all men are shit and always will be, which is a completely understandable response.
1: (laughs) It is. And then this leads us to a notable arrival. We meet Steve Brady as played by David Eigenberg.
0: Yeah, yeah. Love David Eigenberg. We love
1: him. You do. (laughs) You quite fancy Steve, don't you?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if it's fancy. Like, in a shag, marry, avoid scenario, Mm-hmm. Um, he'd probably win the marry. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. He's. I loved this scene. The dialogue's really memorable from this scene. Um,
1: oh, he's so smooth when he picks her up at the bar.
0: Yeah. And Carrie like, is so out of order because the reason Miranda ends up at the bar alone is because Carrie's supposed to be meeting her for dinner. And then Miranda calls her like, where are you? And Carrie's like, oh, I'm just having dinner with... Uh, my boyfriend instead. And not Miranda's even like, dinner,
1: <laughs> having politically incorrect meat.
0: meat, <laughs> yeah. And then Miranda's like, oh, oh well, wh- why, why not? And Carrie's like, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. And it's like, what are you doing? I, um, do you
1: know, I remember watching that when I was 19 years old and thinking to myself, I will never, ever <laughs> do that to one of my friends. And to this date... <laughs> I don't think I have. My friend Kerry, I can hear her listening to the podcast in three (laughs) weeks' time and saying, you're a lying bitch. Because once I said I was going to go to Paris with my friend Kerry and the opportunity arose for me to go to Dubai with my then boyfriend. Oh. I went to Dubai, had a shit time. Dubai is awful and also politically incorrect. (laughs) And learned a really valuable lesson.
0: (laughs) Mm. I don't think... No, I've never done it either. I've done the opposite, which is I've stood up a boyfriend to meet my friends, but I think that's a bit cooler, isn't it? <laughs> that is
1: so much cooler. You in excellent... <laughs> and you know I believe that. Knowing you, Dylan, I fully believe. Where are you? I'm in Cuba with my friends. Where oh my are God, you? Yeah. I'm sat in the restaurant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it literally... Well, it was Late, actually, but... <laughs>
1: so close. So close.
0: <laughs> yeah, she meets Steve, um, and yeah, he's he wants to talk to her because he can't listening listen to the NYU kids talking about Fiona Apple anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Again, that rings true. And whatever he's doing, it works because Miranda hooks up with Steve. And yeah. oh, it's so it's quite heartbreaking to see how hardened Miranda has become at this stage. Yeah,
0: he is so like a little puppy as well, isn't he?
1: The little puppy he later dumps on Miranda. I suppose this is the pinnacle of Miranda's cynicism. Um from this point she gradually defrosts, which is Miranda's big arc, the big six-year story where we have this hard-nursed career woman who has been out with a cavalcade of shit men and then this one bartender comes into her life and he's going to change her whole outlook on life and of course that ends way down the line in season six with Miranda caring for Steve's mum who has dementia. Um, And, you know, so this is just the beginning of Miranda's big arc. And I'm really excited to watch Miranda grow from this point on. But to see her grow, we had to see her at her worst, I guess. And she treats Steve appallingly in this episode. She's so cruel to him.
0: Oh that joke when they're all at co- having cocktails mm,
1: it's brutal if, if you want good service, send a bartender. And she says, if you want good sex, take him home.
0: Yeah. And it kind of like, it's such a nasty comment because it like belittles his job. It like um, trivializes their relationship. Like it's it's not nice. And I mean, even
1: th- Samantha flinches, God. Yeah,
0: Samantha's like, oof. Oof. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Samantha in this episode?
1: <laughs> well, shall we go to a little break? And then yeah. when we get back from our little break, we will discuss... Samantha, we'll see you in two minutes. Hi there and welcome back to So I Got To Thinking. This season we are being sponsored by our wonderful friends at Brighton Gin. So each week we will be giving you an easy peasy recipe for you to perfect with Brighton Gin at home. And this week we are going to tell you how to make an apple elderflower and gin cocktail. It's going to go like this. Are you ready for this Dylan? In a jam jar... First of all, eat the jam, wash out the jam jar. Mix gin with cordial. So that's, you need a double shot of Brighton gin with 200 milliliters of elderflower cordial. Um, And then when ready to serve, divide the mixture between eight glasses, top up with apple juice, apple slices and ice and you are good to go. I like that one, it's easy. You just need gin, elderflower and an apple. Summery and delicious. And... Potentially, you know, at a time when you have to queue 20 minutes to get inside a supermarket, it's good to make something where you don't need 17,000 ingredients. Thank you, Brighton Gin. So I think, yeah, let's dedicate the second half. We've not even got to the question yet. But before we get to the question, let's talk about Samantha.
0: So my question is, is Samantha responsible for the Trump presidency? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, it could be I mean, this is, let's face it One of Donald Trump's better career moves Appearing in (laughs) Sex and the City
0: Yeah, so Donald Trump makes... A guest appearance in Sex in the City, which I uh, had no recollection of before I watched this episode, and the voice, Carrie's voiceover, says, "Samantha, a cosmopolitan, a Donald Trump."
1: <laughs> I mean, this is so timely, you know, just this week. So you're listening about a week behind, but just yesterday, Donald Trump suggested that we could cure Miss Rona the coronavirus by injecting ourselves with disinfectant. Mm. Um. so you know remember when he was just a famous businessman who would sometimes pop up in Home Alone 2 yeah. episodes of Sex and the City and now he's literally the president
0: Um. but it's a segue into her meeting uh, the dashing older rich guy Ed and... oh, lovely
1: Ed who I kind of like
0: yeah I like Ed he lays and his he's... cards
1: on the table
0: And he says, the reason I think Samantha might be responsible for the presidency is he says, I was so distracted by your beauty that I just closed on a huge, gave Trump a huge deal or
1: something. (laughs) Oh my God, maybe he sponsored his 2016 (laughs) presidential campaign. Somehow, back in 2000, it was 1999. He somehow... (laughs) That's when it started. But I suppose it's, you know, to be really super serious, Sally, for a second, it's populism. And the voters of America Were able to see this man On The Apprentice and Sex in the City And Hummel and Two They felt they knew him They felt a familiarity with him And then when it came to voting People Yeah, they they felt that sort of Sense of brand recognition And we know from lots of studies that People prefer to buy brands that they know. And there is a reason for that. And that's why we must rally against populism. And, you know, the people of America deserve better. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we also have a populist prime minister who has gone off sick for the entire um, epidemic. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's which would you rather have? Would you rather have a leader who is on TV every day telling you to inject yourself with bleach or a leader who has literally taken a four-week sabbatical i things. think
0: i would rather have the latter um if we're picking out of like you know the, the worst of two bad i mean the best of two worst people <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, it's, but
1: ass our mouth isn't it let's be honest
0: yeah but my um if there's any american listeners my heart re- our hearts really go out to you because i can't even like things are tough here but I can't even imagine what it must be like having a leader like that right now.
1: We love you and your presidents are for a maximum of eight years. We don't have any such rule. We could have Boris Johnson forever. (laughs) (gasps) <gasps> and he's like a cockroach He never goes um, so, so Samantha is left So she has her own little dime, And I love 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 The scene Where she and Carrie Are walking Alongside Central Park yeah. And Samantha says What's your upper edge limit? And Carrie says 50 <laughs> And Samantha <laughs> says Factor in millions And millions of dollars And Carrie's like 50, which <laughs> yeah. I think that's the difference between Samantha and Carrie right there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Samantha... And I, what I love about Ed is he says, look, you know, I'm in my 70s. I've got, like, 10 years left. I'm looking for a beautiful companion. I'm willing to make it worth your while financially, thus feeding into the sort of the loose theme, which is the myths, the dating yeah. myths. So... She the the myth that Samantha is living out is the sort of Anna Nicole Smith, you know, the the beautiful blonde woman who just happens to meet a billionaire and kind yeah. of lives lives sugarly ever after, kind of. And
0: I feel like she's doing that not really because she wants to or needs to, but just because she kind of likes the idea of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she gives it, well, I mean, the scene, the scene where she's at dinner clapping when oh my said with, ju- <laughs> ju- <laughs> with
0: the jewellery, yeah. yeah. And she, I love it when she's like, oh, Ed. <laughs> oh,
1: Ed. My favourite bit about that scene is the maid. The yeah, maid who yeah. has seen it a hundred times before just yeah. rolling her eyes. It's perfect.
0: And then at the end, when she, like, slams the door behind her. <laughs>
1: Just ready with the cow, ready yeah. to go. And in the end, Samantha... And it is, you know, to say that she earlier on accuses Carrie of reeking of ageism. Mm. Um, She can't handle sexual intercourse with a 72-year-old, no matter how much Viagra he's taken. Um, yeah, I, I don't know.
0: Like, that, that aspect of it kind of annoyed me slash didn't really ring true I think Samantha's sexually adventurous and open-minded enough that she would have just done it
1: (laughs) probably would and you know when is it that she sleeps with that awful awful man with the ponytail when she thinks oh my god yeah so I mean she's, (laughs) she's had worse than Ed yeah um but it's funny to think because at the time Viagra was very new and it was still very much a kind of novelty Mm -hmm. even conversations around Viagra were quite ooh Viagra it was such a punchline yeah Um, and whereas now it's incredibly ubiquitous kind of you can Um, get it in boots now yeah you can get it anywhere over the counter Um, yeah so let's let's deal with the theme this week so it's about these the legends it's like the alligator in the sewers kind of sort of things that we tell ourselves and you know we have the married man who leaves his wife. We have yeah. the ungettable man who suddenly becomes available. We have the one night stand that turns into a relationship because at the end Miranda does decide to give Steve a chance. Yeah. Um. So what? What do we think? What? What is the modern day equivalent of these myths? Um. I mean, there are bad ones. I think we all you know again to be very serious there's the friend of a friend who has died at a chill out and oh my i think God, that's yeah. that's something that we probably couldn't have envisaged in the 90s the way that queer culture in big cities has changed with the rise of chemsex. sex i'm very very lucky that none of my friends that i know and love and know personally have ever fallen foul at a mm-hmm. chill out. Yet, you know, it's very this episode. I have so many friends of friends who have died. And that's why I'm able to say to my friends, for God's sake, be careful.
0: I'm just thinking of friends and fr- friends of friends. I don't know. I think this might be another example, apart from like what you just said, which is very true, which is flipping it the other way. Mm-hmm. I think that in terms of, and we've we've seen this a few times with Sex in the City. I think it has a certain 90s rom-com-ish sentimentality mm-hmm. that just doesn't really exist anymore um
1: oh i don't know because i think i am <laughs> i am living two modern <gasps> myths
0: Are oh my ready? god yeah so
1: first of all bing bong bing bong trans corner about pff, two years ago now i had to ask max if he was willing to appear on my social media because right. I knew that as a trans woman dating a straight cisgender man, there was every possibility that he would be targeted by transphobic people for ridicule and mockery. and yeah. um, That dating me, some people might take that to say something about his sexuality, which I don't think it does. Yeah. Um, and so I had to ask him, I had to say, you know, would you be prepared to do this? And I was fully ready for him to say, Oh, I'd rather not. But Max, shocked me and he was like yeah sure i don't care
0: oh so you're sorry go on go on
1: so from that point i became the mythical trans woman who got engaged to a straight cisgender man
0: yeah and because i imagine understand completely understandably and also correct me if i'm wrong Mm. i can imagine a common dialogue among trans women is like oh you're never gonna find a guy who wants to settle down
1: yeah yeah. because we know as trans women that we are fetishized to the nth degree and yeah. you know we you know pre-max I had dated some absolute stinkers who would mm. not even go out with me you know there was one guy a personal trainer in London who wouldn't even be seen in public with me in case of course, some, in case somebody clocked me kind of of course
0: it was a personal trainer well of
1: course <laughs> and um such douchebag but he was so hot um
0: that's the thing with personal trainers. <laughs> oh,
1: sorry, personal trainers. <laughs> You're oh, sorry, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, um, you know, I had given up hope. I honestly didn't think that I was going to find someone who would be happy to be seen in the light of day with me. And then I met Max. And what's in equal parts lovely and heartbreaking is when other trans women in particular get in touch with me and say oh my god you found the holy grail you know I'm so lonely but your relationship gives me hope and Mm. I'm kind of like oh god I don't you know I could understand why Carrie didn't want to be Charlotte's relationship role model because it puts a lot of pressure on Max and I to be like this poster couple which you know I'm very very happy with Max but my God, nothing's ever perfect. You know, we, we are, you know, this isolation has really tested us. You know, I have been snappy and irritable. I'm not sleeping yeah. properly. You know, we are not goals, you know, 24-7. But the other modern myth is with a couple that met on Tinder and now we're getting married.
0: Oh, wow. So
1: I, I hear so many, you know, people being, oh God, you know, Tinder's such a waste of time. You know, but my friend of a friend met somebody on Tinder and got married. It's me! I'm the friend of a friend who met someone on Tinder and got married.
0: The thing I don't like about, like, people saying... There's always, like, a kind of judgy, kind of bitter edge when people make sweeping statements, like... Oh, yeah, and it's kind of the reason that Miranda... I, I saw Miranda so negatively in the latest episode. Mm. It's when people make these sweeping statements like, "Oh, open relationships never work," or "Oh, you'll never meet someone, or, or, you'll never meet someone of value on Grindr or on Tinder," or like just because you never fucking know. Like, have a bit more of an open mind. I think,
1: of course, and I think that's the lesson. So, what shakes Miranda to her car in this episode yeah. is. Big initially stands Carrie up in a scene that really again got me when he's like, mm, I don't really want to go. So she arranges yeah. she arranges drinks and dinner, and then Big's like, Oh, I'm just <clears throat> going to stay home. You don't mind? And actually, it's awful. And again, sometimes we are quite critical of Carrie for being over sensitive. In that example. Where you're so excited, she's so excited for Big to finally properly meet her friends, yeah. and then he's just like, mm, "I'm just gonna stay at home." I oh, would same. be heartbroken.
0: Same, yeah. I'd be mm. so pissed off as well. But I think it is quite, again, sweeping statement. But I think that is quite male behavior to like not detect the importance of something of of like meeting her friends, which um, is a
1: huge deal. Yeah, and so Carrie. I mean, bless her, she can't even bring herself to tell her friends that big has stood them up. So she goes out, and then Miranda's like, I told you, he's not coming, men are bullshit. And then that yeah. lovely moment where Charlotte's like, he will come. And then yeah. she's like, look, there he is. Yeah. And Harry turns around, and he's come because he realises he's let Harry down. In slow motion. so good. I love it. Um, um, I mean, it's I all also... about to go wrong, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> for now, yay.
0: I also love, I think part of the reason that um, Miranda's storyline in this one has such clout is because in the end she runs out of the bar and meets Steve in the rain and decides Mm -hmm. actually uh, not all men are shit. And the reason it's so impactful and memorable is because she's such a cynical character and it's an extremely sentimental romantic moment. And those two things colliding make it really just like amazing.
1: <laughs> it is. It's. I mean, it's arty and cinematic, but that's kind of the point. You have to... God, this is a bit RuPaul. You have <laughs> to open yourself to the possibility of Hollywood love. I think it is rare and... Um, Hollywood films have ruined us because they've given us this very strange idea but you must never close yourself off it's I think it is about the openness because if you are closed nothing's getting in yeah, and I think you know I had been so badly burned by men in my 20s and especially when I started dating as Juna that I was becoming Miranda I was becoming cynical yeah. and then I met this guy two years ago you know and initially I was really Miranda like I was like is this guy for real I was like what's he doing why is he trying so hard god calm down he's so needy <laughs> and then I just realised it was romance Yeah, what Max was doing was romance and i'd become so cynical to it
0: so it just shows i guess like a lesson from this is it's what it's worth having an open mind of course
1: yeah and and in the end obviously steve now is going to change miranda's life yeah. And if she would rejected him on the grounds of what, he's a bartender? Where would Miranda have ended up? Some, somewhere very different. So,
0: that's I think that's that, isn't it? I think five out of five scrunchies from me for this one. It I is. loved it.
1: Season two, yeah, possibly, well, I think possibly season two and three are yeah. the best best stuff. It's so good and it hasn't yet gone into crazy town I'm um, sure there will
0: be a couple of duds in season two but we haven't had any yet have we we're on number eight
1: no full duds I think the one the dullest point so far was the Susan Sharon episode oh yeah that was, was yeah a bit me but then still yeah. Susan Sharon is such a lovely character yeah um, so in the end Dylan we still haven't actually answered her question which was are we willing to believe anything to date now this is not quite the question she answers
0: No, it's quite a bit... Which is,
1: can legends come true, I guess, is more of a question she actually answers. Yeah. But let's answer her questions. Are women, uh, well, are we willing to believe anything to date?
0: Sometimes, yeah.
1: I think you have to. Yeah. You you have to remain positive. Dating is difficult, as Miranda shows, but there are still some really good men and women and non-binary people out there who are worth dating for. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice message to end on. Yeah. So next week, we've got Old Dogs, New Dicks.
0: Yeah, and it's a really good one.
1: I don't remember anything about it.
0: It's the one where Samantha bumps into her ex-boyfriend, who's now a Samantha drag queen.
1: (gasps) Amazing! (laughs) Excellent.
0: I cannot wait. (laughs)
1: Until next week, we hope you are happy and safe as can be expected in this challenging time. We're sending you nothing but love. In the meantime, do follow us on at SIGTT podcast on Twitter and Instagram and we'll see you next week. Bye for now.
0: Yeah, stay safe.